1: To get the Crime Writers on After Show right now, go to patreon.com slash partners in crime media.
2: I'm Rebecca Lavoy, and this is Crime Writers On. Crime Writers On is the original True Crime Review podcast that digs into true crime, pop culture, other podcasts. And on this episode, while Nexium leader Keith Ranieri heads to trial, his second-in-command tells her side of what happened in the infamous sex cult. We'll talk about HBO's The Vow Part 2. Joining me to get that done and more is true crime author, TV journalist, and host of the These Are Their Stories podcast. My husband and love of my life, Kevin Flynn. Hello, Vanguard.
3: <laughs> Hello, Prefect. <laughs> also, oh, I'm the Vanguard, right in this house. No. I'm number one. No, no, nope. No. no, I'm not. I'm not even. Uh,
2: you're, you're not. You're not even allowed to wear one of those scarves.
3: No, no, I'm not even. What's his name? Mark. <laughs> I'm not even going to cry when I go to trial.
2: <laughs> also with us is private investigator, certified pet detective, resident cat lady and author of the piper green series of cozy mysteries laura bricker hello laura
4: hello rebecca
2: and finally our resident doubting thomas the author of the city trilogy of novels host of the outstanding strange arrivals podcast and our patreon deep dive book club podcast host toby ball hello toby hello rebecca all right so kevin this is obviously thursday's program Yes. What is coming up on next Monday's podcast? Next Monday, just
3: in time for the uh, the season finale, we're going to be talking about season two of HBO's The White Lotus. We are. We are. <sighs> looking. We all love the to, first season.
2: Looking forward to that one. Hmm. <laughs> all right. Well, I'm looking forward to talking about what we're talking about right now.
3: Well, let's talk about so that. So, Can we
2: get right into it? Uh, why would I stop? You, Let's go ahead Vanguard. and drop that first clip right now. Leading off Have you seen a copy of the complaint that
3: has been filed against you in this case? Yes, Your Honor. Do you understand the charges that are contained therein?
4: Yes, Your Honor. Okay.
2: Facing federal charges that included establishing a sex cult and branding his female followers, Nexium leader Keith Raneri prepares for trial. Meanwhile, his second in command, Nancy Salzman, breaks her silence to say she didn't know the darker things happening within the organization. I think everybody just assumes,
1: you know, I knew everything and I
4: should have known everything.
1: But when everything started to blow up,
2: I didn't know why, really. Prosecutors lay out a strong case of racketeering and trafficking against Raniere. His attorney and his remaining followers proclaim Raniere's innocence, saying life in Nexium is not the cult portrayed in the media. If we don't expose the injustices
1: that have happened against him, he will go to jail and
2: he will most likely be killed. HBO's The Vow Part 2 picks up the story as Ranieri's trial begins. The focus moves away from his disaffected followers and reveals new details about the crimes and victims of the DOS program. Its sweeping access includes a comprehensive profile of Saltzman as she awaits sentencing for racketeering. Spoiler alert, we are going to be talking about significant plot points from The Vow. So if you want to remain spoiler free, go to the estimated time code in our show notes to hear our thumbs up or thumbs down reviews. Now, Laura Bricker, I will admit that I did not fully understand the depth of the case against Keith Raniere. I did believe, by the way, that he was a cult leader and that the stuff he was doing was bad. That uh-huh. being said, I did not know it was this fucking bad. What did you think of sort of the revelations that we learned about inside Nexium and DOS that we receive from the details, especially from the prosecutor of this case in The Vow Part 2?
4: This is big for me. There was times I was speechless where I would just sit there and be, it's like jaw dropping. Like, are you, holy shit. The window into his manipulation of the women and being able to see these videos of him, which again is crazy to me that they video everything. These videos of him, like with these women all around them in their little sorority house and hearing about the routine of how all the women were being, it was like it was like a sister wives gone terribly awry uh, situation. That for me was why this whole second season was better than the first season because I really came away feeling the horror of just how bad it was. And like, I think one of the reporters used the word mind fucked. I mean, it was insane. Like the woman that was in the room for two years and yeah. not only in the room but she could have left at any time. When you find out that she could have literally just walked out of that room, you're like, "What the fuck is this?" You right? know, like um so just but could she, you know have and, out but of that she, room? she yeah. could
2: not cuz yeah. she was in they she was imprisoned in there. When you know, when you can walk out but you can't, that is full on control. They had taken all my property. Everything I owned, including my papers. So it was truly impossible
1: for me to leave. I had no choice. I went into the room March 9th, 2010, and I was there for over two
4: years. Whoa, this is a whole different level of control than what I, I was like, oh, he's having sex with some women, and they like had this thing where they, everybody's fixated on the brand, me as well. But then when you see it playing out and hear from the people that are involved and hear from the people that are still supporting him, That really gives a window into just what a master manipulator he was. Yeah, we're going to get to
2: those folks in a second. But I want to ask Toby, like, we can no longer in any way question Keith Raniere's predatory nature after watching part two of The Vow, right?
5: Yeah. I mean, they don't just tell us. They show us the texts and the emails. And it's not just like the victims telling their stories. There's all kinds of evidence and particularly with the uh, the family that comes from Mexico, with Camilla and Daniela. Daniela is the one who was in the uh, the room for two years. It, it's horrifying. I don't know. Like again, like when when you're actually, I guess, in a cult, and you're sort of in the echo chamber, and you've already sort of committed to these beliefs. I think that's the only way that you can sort of take a look at these things and say, well, no, actually it's different. He's innocent. But I think, you know, from an objective standpoint and I'm, I'm usually pretty, uh, pretty suspicious of making judgments about people's guilt and innocence, just based on watching a program or listening to a podcast, but the stuff they show here. And then the thing that really kind of drives it home is the, like every time you see Keith Ranieri's lawyer, like, as the thing goes on, he's getting, like, sadder and sadder and sadder. More and more and like, dejected, yes. Yeah, and he's just, like, it starts off where he's got sort of a full-throated defense, and by the end, he's like, uh, well, it doesn't look good, but I'm not sure if any uh, laws are broken. It's like, yeah, dude, laws are broken. I can I can help you <laughs> out with that.
2: Kevin, they have Keith Raniere on tape. Planning the creation of DOS, a thing that he claimed he yeah. knew nothing That fucking guy. They taped They taped everything. Yes, again,
3: Flynn's rule <laughs> of cults that the amount of uh, videotape that uh, the cult makes is equivalent to the amount of crazy they are. Uh, yeah, even uh, why the audio tape? Tape We're of going everything. A, going out for a walk. Hey, Allison Mack, how about you and I? Start, yeah.
2: They timestamp and date stamp everything.
3: The
4: person who's being branded should be completely nude and sort of held to the table like a sort of almost like a sacrifice. That's a feeling of submission. And the person should ask to be branded Should say, please brand me. It would be an honor or something like that.
3: You know, I was thinking, listening to that part, I was thinking about the poor government paralegal who had to listen to hundreds of hours of, of audio tape and watch videotape to find incriminating stuff. Now they ended up nailing a lot of it, but Mm -hmm. man, that was, that was a a thankless task, I bet.
4: But even like just in terms of showing intent, there's that part where he's talking about the branding and he's like, yeah, well it should seem like their idea. So it doesn't seem like coercion and it shouldn't seem like, and he's, so he literally knows exactly what he's doing. And he's planning ahead with the yep. intent that this is how it could appear, which was shocking to listen to. What was incredible to me
2: that became very, very clear was his his fixation on very, very young girls. Mm-hmm. And it made it very clear to me why his fixation on weight loss was so important because he really wanted women, even older women, to look like young girls. Because he started looking at girls when they came into his sphere when they were 13, 14, 15 years old. And he had an 18-year-old girl and when her younger sister came in, he started preying on the younger sister immediately. He had sex with Nancy Salzman and then as soon as her daughters came into the frame, he had sex with them. Like, he was an unbelievable predator. Like, I don't know if we've seen a woman in the vow except maybe with the exception of Sarah who never claimed to have slept with Keith Renery. I'm not 100% sure that every other woman that we've seen on this show has not slept with Keith Ranieri.
3: Wasn't Sarah, wasn't she the one who came forward with the brand?
2: Yes, but she didn't, She ha, she's married to Nippy. Yeah. Yes.
5: What about Mark's girlfriend?
2: Oh, that's right. I don't, I don't think that we've heard that she slept with Keith Ranieri either. But like, I just assume that almost everybody else we've seen on camera at some mm-hmm. point... Because in this documentary, like, it's like you assume, though this person is, is, is ancillary. And then she's like, I had a sexual relationship with Keith Raniere for two years. And I'm mm-hmm. like, oh, my Talk about juggling relationships and not just relationships. Obviously, they're predatory in nature, but like keeping some secret from others. It's un, the puzzle of it is unbelievable.
4: And then, you know, Nancy fills that role at one like she's the one who's going to keep them all like triaged as they're like the one who he's promising. Oh, we're going to have a baby and he, to keep that one happy. And this one, I mean, it's it's a full time job.
2: Well, she becomes his mom. She's making breakfast mm-hmm. for him. Like she mm. she really does become his like graduates in air quotes and becomes his mom. So, Kevin, can we talk about the journalistic access these documentarians somehow have? Yeah. She's, Fucking everyone. I mean, except for Keith, who's I'm. Well, they're calling him, so I guess they do have access to him.
3: Yeah, I'm surprised that they didn't use more of Keith from inside, because apparently, you know, somebody was recording. But what is uh, he saying though?
2: That's surprising. He's saying nothing. Well, I don't know. He's not being
3: asked anything. Surprising, right? Yeah. yeah. Uh, But as you say, the access of having Mark uh, Aganiflo, the defense attorney. I'm sure that his participation was Keith's idea because he does understand the power of the message. It's not like really inside. Like we're not going through like strategy sessions. We see some performative paper shuffling and I'm going to look pensively out the window at the, the gravity of this legal case. It's not like in the staircase where we're, we're sitting right there.
2: But but he but he's talking to them during the case, which is very unusual. Yeah.
3: yeah. And he said, you know, Toby mentioned this about like seeing his real time reactions to. When he comes out, like especially the day that I think it's Daniela yeah. talks about, you know, having been locked up, he's like struggling to figure out how to now spin this story in a way that he can counter it on a cross-examination or see to make the jury see it in a different way. And you kind of see him brainstorming it in real time.
4: You know, very tough, tough to hear. I mean, I don't think Keith committed a crime, but I do think that the, the jury is going to seriously consider that evidence when deciding whether he is showing good or bad intention.
2: What did you think of the access, Toby? Because it's both a blessing and a curse, right? It's a curse because it also gives these people an opportunity to platform a version of the story that the documentarians can then shape into a narrative of sorts, right? Like, for instance, a thing that we don't see is that Daniela, showed up apparently at Nancy Salzman's sentencing and says it was Nancy Salzman's idea that she was in that room for two years. And that's one of the reasons why Nancy Salzman got a sentence was because, you know, Nancy Salzman, of course, in this documentary claims that she doesn't know a lot about things. But apparently she very likely did, which is why she got the sentence that she got. And of course, Nancy Salzman has an opportunity to try to relitigate her role in this extensively in this documentary.
5: Yeah. I mean, it's, I I think that's the challenge of trying to do something like this, where you're getting a lot of, a lot of voices. And other than Keith himself, I think Nancy is obviously probably more so than Keith, because I think Nancy, like Keith's got to kind of like, he's got to stick it out with the full story. Whereas Nancy is in a situation where she can say, you know, this stuff that we did for all these people, is that really undermined by DOS, right? Or or the sexual transgressions that Keith had. Does that invalidate all these other things that we've done? 2000 modules, 17,000 people we helped. Don't forget about the people with Tourette's. Oh. Um, and I thought that was helpful to bring up those questions, because I think that is, if you put aside being sort of dubious about whether these people were actually helped or not by this ludicrous bullshit that they get fed. But if you do believe that they're being helped, I think there is this whole sort of does the person who's in charge doing shitty things and having the institution sort of supporting that, does that mean that what people are getting out of it is illegitimate? Which, you know, I I think it's an interesting question. But yeah, I mean, you do. I mean, Nancy Salzman gets a lot of time to kind of say, well, I did the good stuff and I didn't do the shitty stuff. And I didn't know huh. much about this, and maybe I'm not a good cult leader if I don't understand this stuff.
2: a butt plug. I'm not a good sex cult leader, yep. yeah,
4: exactly. Oh,
2: oh I forgot <laughs> I about that. but by the way, it was a very charming <laughs> moment. That was a very charming nancy moment. i I, I just I just want to say I did do some research. Nancy did not come anywhere close to in- inventing anything revolutionary regarding treatment for Tourette syndrome symptoms. No. <laughs> Cognitive no. behavioral therapy for Tourette's syndrome symptoms is a widely practiced thing. But the one thing I do want to say that she talks about again and again and again about ESP and what they did, which is wild to me that this is considered a positive, is that we take a stimulus and we take your feelings and reactions to that stimulus and we separate the two. And that's supposed to be considered fucking positive. It's, it's, like, it's like, okay, we're either turning you into a psychopath or we're turning you into somebody that can be manipulated by making it so that you don't have feelings when bad things happen to you. Well, I, I think... <laughs>
3: like, it's crazy. <laughs> well, I mean, this this kind of grows out of their executive... What does ESP stand executive for? Executive
2: Success Program.
3: Success Program. It's really designed to sort of help you overcome... Negativity. ...life's little tribulations. <laughs> Right. We get all worked up about the fact that somebody, you know, the boss was mean to me. And that brings a lot of people down. So one of the things it's like, OK, it's about, you know, self-help. It's it's like sort of their, It's more about self-esteem. Right. That thing when you're in, in that situation, it's like the, their version of don't let the bastards grind you down. Uh, but what if you apply that same philosophy and you preach it? And apply it towards actual crimes, actual victims, then it's less about self esteem and more about not self preservation. It's more, it helps the perpetrator more than it helps the victim. Because I think that's what you're saying here is that it teaches you to, like, oh, well, I was branded and I feel badly about that. It's up to me to not feel bad about being branded.
2: Laura, we see Nancy teaching a module and they make Nancy watch it where Mm -hmm. they say, when people say they're a victim, They're like playing a role that's negative.
1: Most people scream abuse and they have no idea of the morality of what they're talking about. A lot of times the screaming of abuse is abuse in itself because we're talking about abusing abuse.
2: Can you believe when you say you're a victim,
4: you're perpetuating something that's toxic, right? Yeah, no, the whole thing is wild. The whole thing was wild. And I think having Nancy and her perspective, and her creepy hairless cat, by the way. Um, but <laughs> I think having her perspective in this was so telling and enlightening about that side of this whole organization, because she was really that face of all of those training videos, you know, and look how put together she was back then. I mean, she was like drinking the Kool-Aid at that point, And it was very clear I thought it was just really interesting how they revealed also these layers of her involvement at specific times in this documentary. I mean, you kind of assume in the beginning that she and Keith are having sex, but it's not until the very last episode where she finally comes out and says that they had sex early on in the relationship and their association, which I thought was, I thought that was a really interesting way to parcel that out. And showing her being more vulnerable now, taking care of her parents, which was Mm. also very interesting to me. But how much of that was for show? I I feel like it was sincere, but I also feel like she had a platform in this documentary where she wasn't really challenged a lot on a lot of the information that she was putting out there. So it was a good way for her to put her narrative out there, almost like mitigating factors. If you were a defense attorney, like what are her mitigating factors? Well, here they are.
2: All right, so Kevin, we need to come back to this conversation about Nancy in just a second, but can we just take a minute to do the business section real quick?
4: Oh, I think so. All
2: right, so what have we got going on on our Patreon, Kevin?
3: Well, right now in our Patreon, if you sign up at patreon.com slash partners in crime media, there's 320 podcast episodes, wow. which is almost as many uh, chapters of The Vow <laughs> uh, as there are. Come
2: on, Kevin.
3: So, among those things we have the crime writers on after show and the latest, married with podcast super good. in the latest episode, we get questions about what an appropriate Christmas gift might be for a school teacher. yep, what amount gift card. And uh, I think my big takeaway was to tell everybody, do not get the teacher something in the shape of an apple. Exactly. Because they got 50 fucking apples <laughs> that they got through the years. So I'm like, oh, wouldn't you like this Christmas ornament in the shape of the apple? No, nope. no. You do not want that. My daughter's been a teacher for a hot minute and she's got
2: seven apples. That's right. Bullshit. All right, what else we got, Kevin?
3: Oh, uh, we got the Toby Balls Deep Dive Book Club. Now, if you are a member of Patreon and support us at the uh, Crime Writers on Nation level, you get to take part. In the recording That's of right. the Deep Dive, Toby gets together with his guests and they talk about the month's book, but you also get in, you know, kind of like an exclusive Zoom
2: kind of call. You get to be there.
3: Get to be there. You can watch. You can drop comments in the chat. And sometimes Toby will even bring folks in and then they're part of the podcast. So if you can't wait to hear the podcast when it drops, join Patreon at that level. Take part in Toby Ball's Deep Dive. And Toby, you mentioned uh, earlier in the week what the title of the next book is. What is it?
5: It's called The Premonitions Bureau, and it's by
3: Sam Knight. All right, we're going to start downloading that on our Kindles and our audiobooks and going to the store and then looking for the book, but then actually just going back and buying it on Amazon anyway. So that's what we're doing.
2: All right, so Kevin, before we get back to the show, do we have any Patreon Patron Saints of the Week this week?
3: Our Patreon Patron Saints are Allison Dinell, And Catherine McDermott. Bless
2: you. Bless you guys. Thanks for supporting us on Patreon. Thanks for everyone for listening to the business section. All right, so Kevin, I'm going to fade that music out right now.
0: BP added more than $70 billion to the U.S. economy in 2022. Investments like acquiring America's largest biogas producer, Arkea Energy,
1: As a professional welder, Shayna Ford uses Forge FX to practice over and over, which helps her improve her skills.
4: The more muscle memory that you have, the smoother your weld is.
1: Learn more at meta.com slash metaverseimpact.
0: Disney Plus and Hulu are better together in the Disney bundle with new movies and series. On Disney Plus, experience the full Taylor Swift The Era's Tour, Taylor's version, with new main show performances and acoustic collection. On Hulu, follow the fantastical evolution of Bella Baxter, played by Emma Stone, in the award-winning film Poor Things. All of these and more streaming this month. Get the Disney Bundle with Disney Plus and Hulu. Terms
2: apply. See DisneyBundle.com for details. So, Kevin, you had thoughts about what we were just discussing about Nancy, right?
3: Yeah, I mean, I think both these guys already said it, that Nancy largely goes unchallenged. I'll say that she comes off... Very sympathetic and largely believable. But two things that I found that the documentarians did kind of poorly is that she is the cliffhanger at the end of episode one, right? We hear all this stuff like we've never heard from Nancy. And it's just this shot of Nancy like sitting down on the couch front of the camera and then like this. This big smile, kind of like ah oh, like, ha ha ha, can you believe it's me? And it's kind of like, oh, this is going to be filled with joy. And I don't know if that really set the right tone for yeah. what she's she's going to do. But also, largely as you guys have said, she goes unchallenged on a lot of these things. We never push her on Daniela saying it was your idea to stick her in a fucking room, and it ended up she ended up being there for two years. The Tourette's thing is really interesting, and maybe we could talk about that some more. But, you know, as far as like really pushing back on was it, you know, the Nexium way that cured these people of Tourette's or of anybody who said it, it might have been the federal prosecutor who said, no, 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 no there's, there has been uh, studies that show that like cognitive treatment is helpful for those who suffer from Tourette's. I, I don't know. While I enjoyed hearing from Nancy and I thought that she brought a lot to my understanding of what went on, it again is largely her unchallenged narrative i can't exactly call her an unreliable narrator but she does kind of fit that bill
2: yes and we also have to acknowledge though and i think it's important to acknowledge i agree with you that she needed more challenging and maybe she was challenged and i didn't include those parts for some you know, yeah, artistic right. reason or editorial reason i think we have to acknowledge it wasn't it in,
3: because they didn't have enough time
2: in some way in some way every woman in keith ranieri's orbit is his victim in yeah, some yeah, way yeah. even nancy And she describes the minute he's out of her orbit feeling lighter Mm -hmm. and they show that little bit of tape of him just like snapping at her at a moment's notice. And you realize, yeah, she's completely complicit in this enterprise, but he also fucked her and discarded her and then used her for years and years and years too. And she profited tremendously off of it too. All that can be true at the same time.
5: Sure.
2: Toby, you had thoughts about the therapy aspect of this, right?
5: Well, yeah. And Kevin just brought up the Tourette's thing. I mean... I may be completely off on this, but my sense is that they were taking stuff that's been shown to work and just blowing it beyond all sense of responsibility. Hmm. Because I think the whole, like, separating your response from the stimulus, like, that's something that, that doesn't seem like that's that unusual for therapy. It's like, if somebody does this and your response is this, is that, like... Does that make sense? Is there a different way of responding to that stimulus like that that seems like a lot of therapy, but what they're saying is there is no like normal response to things like you can you can choose to respond to things however you want to, which is like about thirty five steps beyond i think what like sort of responsible therapy is, which is yeah, you can feel sad about this, but do you actually need to like? like rip doors off their hinges or whatever you know it's it's sort of proportionality and i kind of felt like the same thing was going on with tourette's which is it sounded like i i don't know a ton about it but it just sounded like there are these cognitive behavioral stuff that that's shown to work and so what they do is they take that and then they add this whole again this thing that it's your fault, right? It's your fault that you're thinking this way. You have Tourette's right. because you responded to the situation in this way and that gave you Tourette's. So you got no one to blame but yourself. Right. Which is not healthy. So while, you know, you see, I think her name is Isabel or Isabella. Isabella, yep. She has this horrible thing with Tourette's. And then she gets, you know, quote unquote cured, or, or at least the ticks are are not nearly as bad as they were. But because of the way they did it. She has all these other issues that come up and right. that to me is like taking something that worked and moving it way beyond what's responsible so that the collateral damage maybe makes the good parts of it like negates them or at least it's like we cured this, but we, we suddenly we've got all these other problems now that weren't there to begin with.
3: Yeah. Well, the problem was they said, okay, this works, go off your medications. Right. Yeah. And then she started to feel your other medications and she started feeling like shit because of that. I mean, or, they're not doctors. Or if
2: anyone tells you that this isn't right, mm-hmm. they're wrong. Like, that's right. the other yep. thing. Yep. It's, it's Scientology. It's just fucking Scientology the without part the auditing. Of it,
3: it seems like the proof is in the pudding that they stop. It's just, that's what it's sort of like. Okay. I can dismiss a lot of this stuff. I'm like, I'm intrigued by that. Okay. I, I'm not going to say that Nancy cured Tourette's. Think of it this way, Kevin. Yeah.
2: If... You starve yourself, you also lose weight. Okay. But starving yourself is not healthy, right? So, like, there are tiny aspects of starving yourself that, you know... Are sort of in line with healthy ways that you may also lose weight. For instance, changing the times of day that you eat or whatever might work for you and your metabolism or whatever, but starving yourself or blaming yourself for how you eat or shaming yourself. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. It's like, think of it that way. It's like getting the result you want does not mean it was the right fucking thing to do. And that—that's like that
3: it applies to other people. Correct. Yeah,
5: I, I wouldn't be surprised if they weren't also having people who are looking to say what what we're doing is sort of a version of this, and what has this worked on in the past, and finding that it's worked on Tourette's. Right. So they're like, okay, we're going to show how our tech can cure Tourette's because it's already been shown that it works. So we're going to bring him in and we're going to do this big experiment, which isn't really an experiment and and see if it'll work there. But you already kind of know it does because it's already been shown more sort of mainstream uses of sort of the same basic philosophies that you're using. You're just using them in extreme and irresponsible ways where these other places are like, well, you know, we probably shouldn't drive these people into despair As we try and treat their Tourette's, like we we should be trying to keep them, keep them stable while we're also dealing with their, with their uh, condition. I've had a horrible 20 years. You know, what do you, how do you feel towards the person that literally gave you an opportunity and the tools to craft an existence that you couldn't even dream of? That was the sense I get about a lot of this shit is that they, they yep. kind of find ways where they can find success, uh, but they don't actually have to do with any kind of breakthroughs that they have. It's just like, I'll take something that's been shown to work and I'm just going to like turn that amp up to 11 and let's yep. see what happens.
4: And they also make it look, you know, when they put the electrodes on people's heads, it's like, you know, we're scientists. And they use the word tech all the time when they were talking about drawing
2: on a fucking flip chart, that's not tech. That's a magic marker and paper, guys. That's not tech. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, so we have to talk about the insiders, people who still staunchly support Keith Raniere. In particular, I really want to talk about Nikki Klein, and not just because uh-huh. I'm a huge Battlestar Galactica fan, and I am so disappointed by this person's continued support of Keith Raniere, um, because I do think it's incredibly harmful and toxic. And in some ways, I'm like, What happened to her character? Who, Callie? Yeah. Why?
3: I'm trying to remember.
2: Well, she, she's married to a Cylon. Spoiler alert. There you go. Anyway. <laughs> Guess what? She was in
3: real life, too.
2: She, she's, married, she's married to one of the final five. <laughs> anyway, spoiler alert. Anyway, um, so it's incredible to me that these revelations can come out and Nikki Klein can say something like, if this were a bunch of men saying, I joined a club and I got a brand, no one would care. Right? Nikki. The fuck? Like, that is not in any way comparable to what we're talking about here. Laura, what did you think about these staunch inside supporters trying to rationalize this and doing backbends to this extent for Keith?
4: It was really astounding to see people that still, despite all of the information that has come out, still stand by him. I think, you know, for Nancy and some of the others, when Keith turned on them To save his own ass when things got to court, that was very enlightening to all of them. But it's, you know, when you see these other women like Nikki, who are just so stuck in the Keith Raniere loop that like, you know, this wasn't a branding. This was like an act of women solidarity, women power. We got together and like decided to do this like bullshit, you know, and then that scene where they descend upon the prosecutor's office with their, you know, (laughs) demands and everything at his request, they're doing this for him. Like, you know, from jail, I think it shows again, what I've said before, just the level of master manipulator that he is and that the people that have been preyed upon are clearly vulnerable in such a way that they are stuck in that loop and can we just talk about what the fuck with the flashlight signals they're like now he's saying this now he's saying that i'm like what what is going on you with know? These flashlight signals from jail
2: that seems to be a common thing in that jail because there's other people outside the jail also signaling to people but how
4: do they know what he's saying that's what i want well, that's, like, that's what me. i'm trying to say it's like i think it's bullshit i'm like they're like oh Keith says this i'm like how, how do you know that
5: <laughs> <laughs> i think he's drawing letters right Is that all that he's doing? Yeah, drawing letters really fast. Maybe
4: backwards?
3: (laughs) Yeah, exactly. Well, he is the world's
2: smartest person. Oh, that's right. Remember, he claims to be the world's smartest person. Mm. Um,
3: Well, if he was so smart, he wouldn't be in jail. Dude, the Dalai Lama
5: flew to see him. That's all I know.
2: And Toby, he is the world's most athletic person, right?
5: Yes, and we saw that because he jumped over two people who were lying on the ground (laughs) and he did like a, like stunt roll or something.
2: It is crazy to me that he got this young woman who had a scholarship to a prestigious Swiss school to drop her scholarship because she was brilliant. And then the way that he decided to employ her brilliance was to have her videotaping him all the time doing stupid fucking shit, like jumping over two people.
5: Didn't she also read articles and give him little like thumbnail sketches of what was in them? Don't they talk about that at one point?
2: I think, right? Was that revealing? Little Miss
5: Cliff Notes. Yeah. yeah,
2: Like revealing he couldn't read. Like, (laughs) thumbnail this for me, Daniela. Yeah.
3: That's when we learned that Keith Ranieri was actually illiterate.
2: Yeah, exactly. He actually can't read. BP added
0: more than $70 billion to the U.S. economy in 2022.
1: VR training platforms, like the one developed by Fundamental VR and Orbis International, are helping surgeons train over and over before operating on real patients. As you practice each skill, the muscle memory starts to develop. Learn more at meta.com slash metaverse impact.
3: En Ford creemos que ya sea que estés bajo el foco de atención o bajo tu propio techo, que tengas 90 minutos o 9 horas, que estés empezando cambios o un largo viaje, fortaleza es hacer todo
2: Okay, well, let's do what we do. Let's let our listeners know, should they check out The Vow Part 2 on HBO? Laura Bricker, what do you think? Thumbs up or thumbs down for The Vow Part 2?
4: Um, This is a big thumbs up. I said earlier, I think this is better than the first season. I think it gave a much more accurate window into what was really happening in this group. I will say, as one of my friends said to me when I started watching it, buckle up. It is intense it is upsetting we even see a reporter that's covering this trial which we didn't get in to see because of cameras in the courtroom and and the effect that hearing. These details had on her um, somebody that is a pretty seasoned journalist who you know is used to hearing horrific things at court cases. So I, I thought it was really interesting having Nancy the number two uh, as such a prominent figure in that this series was really interesting and it's it's a thumbs up. I mean it's it's definitely not for the faint of heart, but I found it extremely interesting. Toby Ball. Yeah, I agree
5: with Laura. I think this is a lot stronger than the first season. You know, the first season. It seemed like you know the subjects were really this group of people who are fairly high up in Nexium, and you're kind of watching them try and take down Keith Raniere, uh, and you hear sort of about their disillusionment and and how scared they are to do this, and and all these obstacles they're running into. This one is a lot more about Nexium itself, and particularly the dark side of it. And I think you get a bunch of interesting takes on it, including. Nancy Salzman. I won't. I don't want to spoil things, but you get a bunch of different people who have different sort of windows on on Nexium, and and they're not all like super dark, but some of them are super dark. I felt like the first season should have been about half as long as it was. I think they they get this one pretty close to right. I think there's some stuff you could chip away at a little bit, but that's that's sort of nitpicking. So I, I give this. A, I give this a thumbs, pretty good thumbs up.
2: Kevin Flynn.
3: Yeah, I'm going uh, mild thumbs up for this one. I I like it better than. What are you doing?
2: I'm just amazed. I'm amazed that you didn't like it more. Well,
3: I thought it was much better than season one, mm-hmm. which ended up becoming very bloated. I think at the time we we reviewed it, I think we were still sort of in the "this is pretty good" stage, and then they just kind of go on and on with the apostates. Now, this is not the apostate story this time around. It's about the government story of the crimes. Uh, it's a little more I don't want to say objective, but it's sort of a a different kind of view. In general, I think this is flawed. It's longer than watching the extended editions of all the Lord of the Flies movies put together. Lord of the Rings. I mean, Lord of the Rings movies. <laughs> yeah, this kind of felt like Lord of the Flies. But yeah, it's it's quite long. If it takes one minute to tell uh, make a point, they use three minutes. If it takes five minutes to make a point, they do it in 10 minutes. But overall, it was interesting because we did get to see um things that were on the inside but nothing like we heard in the first season and of course there's a resolution to the story because the trial occurs so still a thumbs up
2: i loved the valves part two and i'm very surprised that you thought it was bloated kevin i actually found some of the scenes to be so revelatory and tight um there are i agree things that i would chip away at and maybe just like Some of the, you know, scenes going back and forth. But like, I honestly couldn't get enough of them saying something that happened inside Nexium and then us seeing that thing happen inside Nexium. I mean, there have been enough promos and trailers for this that I don't think it's a surprise that the access that they have. I mean, Nancy Salzman is in all the commercials for the Vow part two. She's in this, guys. No spoiler there. But there's so much about what actually happened inside Nexium that was not in part one. I finished part one. I believed all the people that left that like bad shit happened but it was not super clear what the crimes were like what the what was the racketeering about what was the all the trafficking accused accusations MLM
3: but they didn't go into that
2: right but what was all of the like you know when talking about the sex crimes like we knew about you know DOS sort of the scope of what was actually going on inside this organization is fully laid out here and it is Unbelievable! I My jaw dropped like over and over and over again when I was watching this thing. And for that reason alone, it's it's totally worth watching if you're interested in this story. So yeah, big thumbs up for me for the vow part two. All right, that's gonna do it for us. But before we go, Laura Bricker, do we have a cat of the week this
4: week? We do have a cat of the week this week. It comes to us from Ray Buzzel out in Minnesota. And Ray does cat rescue. Nice. The cat is Emilio. But there's a message with this cat of the week. Emilio is a very sweet, affectionate cat who was dumped earlier this summer in rural Minnesota. He is about eight years old. His furs, he's a black cat, has been bleached by the sun. He starved. He weighs four pounds, was attacked by other animals more than once and infected with kitty AIDS. Um, Also had other issues. And he showed up at a home in the country and the homeowner got him into the rescue. So the message from Ray is... If you're moving and you think that like, and, uh, you know, I know people do this and, and, but it's awful. If you think, oh, this indoor cat can just fend for themselves outside, they don't fend for themselves, find them a home. Or take them to a rescue if you no longer can. And thank you, Ray, for doing the work that you're doing.
2: That's wonderful. All right, Laura. Of course,
4: if folks want to submit any kind of animal to be cat of the
2: week, it does not have to be a cat. They can email us at crimewriterson at gmail.com. That's how we get tons of submissions. But if they want to reach out to you on social media, how can they find you there, Laura? They can find me
4: at Laura Breaker. <laughs> Laura Breaker. They can find me at Laura Breaker. Uh, Laura Bricker on <laughs> Twitter. And send cats. I love the cats. That's true. What about you, Toby Ball? How can you be found on social
2: media?
5: Uh, At Toby Ball and Nate on Twitter.
2: Kevin Flynn, what about you? I'm at Kevin P. Flynn. And if you want to follow me on Twitter or Instagram, you can find me at Reb Lavoie. You can also follow the show on Twitter at Crime Writers On, and please join our incredible community and our official Crime Writers On Facebook discussion group. Support the show at Patreon.com slash Partners in Crime Media. You'll get the Crime Writers On After Show, Married with Podcast, Lara Bricker's Leave it to Bricker Podcast, and Toby Ball's Deep Dive Book Club Podcasts. Our theme song was composed and performed by Ty Gibbons. Our line editor is the wonderful Olivia Burdett. This show was recorded in the yoga loft above the bodega in Bay St. Louis, Mississippi studio, otherwise known as Studio C, the closet in our New Hampshire basement where our collateral is far more embarrassing for the people who see it than it is Damn. for us. Ugh. On behalf of all the crime writers, thanks so much for listening. We will catch you later. Later. Toby's joining Nexium. After watching the Vow Part 2, he's been converted.
5: <laughs> you know, I, I he's like, I wasn't... didn't realize
2: there was so much sex.
5: <laughs> no, it was more. It's more when Keith jumped over those two people who are kneeling on the ground. <laughs> yeah, I was like, man, something's working here.
4: Yeah, I mean, when you get that much sex,
2: uh, clearly, I didn't realize how much volleyball <laughs> there would be.
5: Yeah, <laughs> and the funniest thing is that he's like talking about it before. It's like, yeah, you know, it's the volleyball and the you know the tennis, but you know, does, does that really show me? I mean have we shown me jumping over people yeah i was like okay i would like to see him jumping over people that would be awesome (laughs) but then it turns out you jump over people while they're while they're lying on the ground it's Uh, less awesome